0: What do you do when you're a world champion athlete and you're not sure what to do next? Well, of course, you start a shoe company, among other kinds of companies. Well, we're going to find out about that and how that relates to you and your health, your wellness, your strength, your recovery, your performance, you name it, on today's episode of the Movement Movement Podcast, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes Mm -hmm. To have a happy, healthy, strong body starting feet first, you know, those things that are the foundation of your body at the end of your legs. Um, We're also breaking down the propaganda, the mythology, and sometimes the flat-out lies you may have been told about what it takes to run or walk or hike or lift or do CrossFit or yoga or anything you'd like to do and to do that enjoyably, efficiently, effectively. Wait, did I say enjoyably? Trick question. You all know that because if you're not having fun, you're not going to keep doing it. So do something you enjoy. I'm Stephen and co-founder, co-CEO of Zero Shoes. Here's the t-shirt to prove it. And I am, uh, we call it the Movement Movement Podcast because we, and that includes you, more about that in a second, are creating a movement about natural movement, having Mm -hmm. your body do what it's made to do, not getting in the way of that. Uh, The way you can participate is really simple. Go to our website. Feel free to go there, www.jointhemovementmovement.com. There's nothing you need to do to join. You don't need to pay anything. Learn a secret handshake or a special song you sing every morning when you wake up. Um, that's just where you can find all the previous episodes, all the ways you can find us on social media and engage with us there. And uh, and you know what to do to be you know, help move this movement forward. Give us a thumbs up and a good review or you know the hit the bell icon on YouTube. Subscribe to get uh, hear about new episodes. You know the drill. If you want to be part of the tribe, just subscribe. All right, let's jump in, Chris Duffin. Welcome. Tell people who the hell you are and what you're doing here. Yeah, what am, what am I doing here? Why do you have just like some meathead guy on here talking about shoes or feet? It makes no sense, Steven. I, I, well, I I'm it, here so you can prove that meatheads aren't just meatheads. <laughs> so, so go I, ahead. I, I open that way because
1: uh, you know, oftentimes people have you know different perceptions based on how they how they've come to know uh, who I am. So, just like of a little background about myself what I do now is gonna lead into a, a i think a longer story about uh, uh about where how I got there to start with but uh I am an award winning engineer designer uh with a specialty in biomechanics and I also
0: have lifted really heavy things I was just well pause Yeah, champ- yeah you can't just say you've lifted really heavy things I mean here's where you get to pat yourself on the back. Because there's people who, a lot of people who know you from this part. So uh, don't be humble or coy. Yeah. So I was, as a power lifter, I was ranked number one in the world for like eight
1: years straight in either the squat, the deadlift or the total. And then I quit doing that and kind of chased just things that I wanted to do. And I became the you know first and only person that's both squatted and deadlifted a thousand pounds for reps. There's actually a movie documentary movie coming out about that. And it was really to showcase, like, I'm not a specialist. Usually people are really good at one or the other. And I want to show, like, the fundamentals. If we move properly, if we manage recovery appropriately, if we do these things, you can achieve phenomenal things. And the other side of that was just, like, this inspirational. It's like a 1,000 pounds. Well, why didn't I go for 1,050? Why did I do reps? It was grand. It was grand goals is what I was after. And that was really to create some inspiration, this over-the-top, like reaching thing of being able to do something that people don't think is possible if you go for it. And and for me, that's a it's a really, it's a really important thing. I've been through much in my life to get to where I'm at. And it's actually the foundation for a best-selling autobiography about starting with, you know, this five-year-old kid living in a tree fort in the wilderness in Northern California, being taught how to capture and handle life rattlesnakes and, and run from bears. I freaking kid you not. The name Barefoot comes from that story, that, that background. And that's why I'm so passionate about topics as it relates to resilience, as it relates to taking things and getting stronger, being able to, take on more over time as you learn those those skills so the quick you know elevator story it arrives back to why i have a shoe company now (laughs) is you know i took myself from that environment grew up you know homeless about half the time in and out of that dealing with drug trafficking drug running murderers serial killer that tracked the family human trafficking that affected me and the family. I mean, just some really wild stuff. And to get myself out of the environment, I had to excel. And so I ended up putting myself through a double engineering degree while working full-time uh, on an academic scholarship. And in the process of that, I took custody of my three younger sisters, and I raised all of them. Well, I did got that and got my MBA. And next thing you know, I'm running companies. Well, that took like 10 years. <laughs> the process of like in my career to where – I became like a turnaround expert and I was running automotive and aerospace manufacturing companies. And I'm just like, man, well, how'd this kid from the sticks end up in this place in my life? And
0: reflection on that cost me to quit my job. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> wait, but, break that down, slow that film down. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. I mean, so, you know, you come from literally living, I'd say, on the streets, except there was, you know, not not a lot of streets in that neighborhood. Um, but to, yeah, I mean, just it sounds almost crazy when you describe your childhood to then to go for a double engineering degree and then your MBA and then that business. But what was, you know, was that a sort of, you know, come to Jesus moment or a slow burn to, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to, I got to shift gears here.
1: It was a slow burn. So this is, you know, post-college, you know, I'm working my career close to 20 years. I'm excelling. Next thing you know, I'm, you know, a corporate executive doing this stuff and sought after for it. And, that I'm having kids and family house with a white picket fence, like all this stuff. Right. And I'm getting into my, my, you know, middle thirties, late thirties. And I, my kids are growing older and they're getting to be the same age that I was that I'm telling these stories about. And it really started hitting me. And I'm like, there's something missing from what I'm doing. And I know that I can do so much more. And the physical aspect has always been there. I started training, you know, as a, well, it was very active. You could imagine growing up, like, we were mining, we were logging. I was there doing it. Like this was a, it was a very physical nerd. And, uh, and so we lived in a very, you know, environment where learning was really important. Like the only thing we had was the library card. And so absorbing books, having conversations by the fire, by candle late in the night on all sorts of stuff was just uh, an interesting way I grew up and, part of why I excelled in school, but I was also very physical. And so I started lifting weights in 1988 and I started competing in 2000 as a power lifter. And so on the side of all this stuff that I talked about, I actually owned a gym, became a 9,000 square foot, you know, facility. And I was training at a world-class level, trying to be the strongest person in the world while like trying to taking a struggling aerospace manufacturing company and turn it around and prep it and get it for sold. And, and so, I'm reflecting on this. I own the gym and I was also doing something kind of strange, which was, I was taking clinical continuing education because I had a string of injuries and I was trying to discover what was going on. I couldn't get answers from the doctors I was dealing with. And finally I found one and he started going, I don't have the answers. Let's try to find this together. And then started introducing me to some pretty key people the ones that write a lot of the books that are used in the schools. And so I started attending those courses and then making friends with those people and then lecturing with those people, (laughs) which was interesting. You know, I'm standing on stage and with Dr. Stuart McGill's, you know, lecturing to 150 doctors and I'm asking to be guest lecturer at Western chiropractic. And, and so this was all on the side, right. And I realized, and I was publishing like content, my, like my thoughts on things, what was broken with the fitness industry. One of those topics very early, there's two main ones that I saw. One was breathing, embracing use of the diaphragm and the impact on the spine. And the second one was the foot. And I was putting this content out and some people, I mean, it was changing their lives. Like people getting them back. I mean, I was just posting videos on YouTube and I was getting this feedback. The the other feedback I was getting in the industry is you're crazy.
0: Like you're wrong. Well, wait, you were so about which part, the bracing part or the barefoot part or both? Yes, both. Got it. So, well, it's- two things. First of all, um are you planning to sleep at some point in the future because clearly you haven't been? Actually, I sleep a lot. <laughs> it's it's pretty we we
1: could dive into philosophy here, maybe in a little bit. We we'll talk about my my views on the ba- achieving balance through extremes this is a great discussion. Okay? Oh
0: yeah, we'll definitely do that.
1: Yes. So and this is tied to that conversation, right? So I'm well, doing this stuff. Well, so wait, so wait, hold bit... that
0: thought. I want I just want to tease this apart for people. So um, talk, to just highlight what you're saying about breathing and embracing, as well as what you're saying about bare feet. And then to give people a context for why people were saying that you were crazy. Yeah. So I was saying that what people are doing to
1: approach squatting, deadlifting was intrinsically wrong. People were, the focus was this arch really hard, right? Brace, like lock down, flex your, flex your abdomen, arch super hard, push your butt back, and that, and I'm going, no, this is wrong. Like fundamentally, you're actually putting yourself in a position where you're weakening the structures and you're more likely to bend over and compromise the spine and the flexion in inflexion uh with heavy loads without getting the the you know the pelvic floor and the diaphragm aligned to each other and creating this um uh, uh this pressure that's created via an eccentric loading of the cavity outward first. And so, so it was a lot of position. It was pause just, pause. Wait, sorry, it was counter pause. to what like everybody big was speaking.
0: So I want to pause there for a second. This has come up a couple of times. And I think you and I may have talked about this, um, about, um, I just blanked on her name for some horrible names. The woman who does the core three hundred and sixty belt, um, which basically was a similar idea of, so what people, people have a misunderstanding about like using a, a squat belt where they think it's, Oh, you can, to you know, pull everything because it's pulling well, everything it, tight like rather than it's a cue you actually
1: have to have it a little so you need to be able to put two fingers between at least your belt and your belly because you need to it's for you to cue against it's creating so when you eccentrically load the cavity uh it is through you know you're getting a co-contraction by the thoracic lumbar musculature the obliques the abdominal like uh the rectus abdominis like all that is then co-contracting now a belt is another outer sheath but you need to be able to expand into it and right. when you suck it down now you cannot cannot expand and that is essentially how you create pressure the little erectors are tiny little muscles and that's not what you're using to stabilize what you're using to stabilize is this pressure against all the organs then are pressing outward but also pressing inwards on the spine as well uh around that and so you Yeah, so I was being called crazy, but I was also being called crazy by a bunch of people that all had replaced hips and broken backs. (laughs) And then my, myself- Don't bore me
0: with your success,
1: Chris. (laughs) So this is in 2010. And so it was like, nobody was having this like diaphragmatic breathing, Chris, what kind of nonsense are you spitting out your mouth? And then they started seeing my success. They started seeing the success of the athletes I worked with. People like that had been in pain, trying to train that way in the past. I'm like, oh, all of a sudden I'm stronger and I have no pain. Like this is some voodoo magic. And the other piece of that was at this time I started playing around with shoes. I think designs. I God, I've got some in my YouTube channel from like 2007 where I'd like cut up and change because I just didn't like the approach. And eventually I just started promoting barefoot training, like no in the gym, which I actually just did a video against yesterday, but that's, you know, it's gotten a little out of hand hygiene, you know, in a public oh, environment yeah. and like, you know what, put some zero shoes on, put on some barefoot shoes, get the effects of it, but don't like in an environment where somebody's, you know, down on the ground and doing stuff on the floor. Like if it's a public space, uh, maybe I pushed it a little too far. Anyway, another topic respect for other people. Uh, some people are afraid of feet, like, um, yeah, whole nother, right. But like, uh, but people were like wearing the the only healed lifting shoes and wearing them for everything. And now the running movement had started to take place at that point, right? Vibram, uh, the five fingers would, was coming out. Uh, those things were starting to happen around, around that time. So this is 2010, 2012, as I'm, starting to have these conversations and people are just like, you're just wrong. And then it started to shift because it was happening in some of these other arenas, but in strength training it was not a discussion. And so literally those conversations that I've had, and I say conversations because I've got lengthy, you know, uh, instructional kind of videos and things that I've have posted recorded that no one was having in the strength training community prior to the discussions of me putting out. An hour and a half lecture on foot mechanics and how this works and so so it did pave the way uh for a lot of that and so i promoted that for a long time for like six years before ever even getting into shoes because i didn't i didn't get into it to try to sell anything people were like what's the what's the solution what's the solution and there wasn't a lot of great options at, the, at that time and so right. um So that's, uh, that's how that got started. So it's a really unique. So here's the, I'm the, I'm this guy who was, you know, a, you know, a champion lifter, let's say uh, an engineer and a creative, and also was about by the time I was through this probably like 10 years of clinical continuing education. So I had this lens of neurology, developmental kinesiology, like all these aspects. And so it's this unique blend of like looking at things a little differently. And that's where. So I had this going, I'm like, I can't do all these things. What's, what's got to give the only logical thing is my job, because I know I'm going to chase, we're getting to the balance of the extremes here is like consolidating the things that really tie to your values in your life. Mm. When I had a job and then I had like my creativity being like a big value of mine, you know, over here that I did extracurricular and my training and all these is like, how do I align this together so that I can chase things to an extreme, but also create more time and space for my family. And so, you know, right now, like I work harder than I've ever worked in my life, but I have more time for those things as well, because, you know, training is part of that. My creative expression through design is not, you know, extracurricular you know, it happens within my work, my community, the people I want to engage with. I create that culture and environment in the places and the the companies that I create. And so it draws, you know, the people that become my friends, the things that I want to engage with, uh, within to that. And it's also the way I explain this is like, people tell you, if I tell somebody, I want you to have the absolute perfect squat well, I got to start with just my body weight or just an empty bar. And it just got to be perfect, right? And I say, no, I want you to put every last ounce, leave nothing, not an ounce of your soul, a gram of your soul left on the on the platform. Put it in that lift. It's like, oh, well, form goes, it's out the wind. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I want both of these things. Well, that doesn't work yeah it freaking does and then actually the only way that you can find the beauty the, the the that extreme is this beauty in the middle because if you don't push the limits of load you don't know where you're actually breaking down at where you need to improve what oh, you need crazy. to revise you can't y- unless you put those edges you're you're sitting there practicing what looks like perfection but you're not doing the work of the things that make perfection and if I've got any energy leaks, if I've got any waste of my movement and patterns or I can't I, I I've got lost there. I can't actually be putting out the max. And so that's a that's an example of this balance through extremes. And I think you can employ that in your life. You know, people think everything's work-life balance. If I take away from one, it has to, you know, the only way of you know adding to one is taking away from the other. Is that really the case? Mm. I don't always think so. And I think that you can find something if you really understand, and this is a driver. Like if I know, I don't have to know all my values, but if I know some very specific ones and things that I just know that are part of my soul and I chase those, that's going to start prioritizing things through attrition because the things that are less important start dropping away as well. Right. And so
0: I want to to pause for a sec. That's really interesting because, well, for a couple of reasons. One, I have a friend. Do you know Ryan Lee? I don't. Okay. So Ryan started a couple fitness companies, um, a couple of physical product companies as well. Ryan is known for building a number of successful businesses, um, but also having a family and he like never, and he's an athlete as well. So he never missed a kid's game, like no matter what. And many people talk about their business um, or you know, either way, they don't they don't want to acknowledge that they're making a choice, that they want to spend their time on this thing. They'll say, Well, I wish I had more time for my family, to which I say, Bullshit. Because if you really wanted that, if that was a priority, priority, you would do that. I mean, there's no question in my life with Lena and myself that for for me in particular right now, the business is the priority. And we don't have kids. We have a dog. So I get up early every morning to go for a walk with him and, and the evenings often as well. So that's a priority because otherwise um the house becomes a mess. But um and it's also, you know, terribly fun. But people are often they'll often complain about the way they're spending their time without acknowledging that it's their it's a choice. It's a choice. And that's a beautiful
1: thing at life. Like it's gonna be painful and it's gonna be hard, but we're choosing where those things are. Yeah. Like we can sit there as a business owner and you and I have had conversations on the side about, you know, the struggles of it, what it's like to be an entrepreneur and the things Wait, that what people what are you talking about? See. I never said
0: it. But, hold on. I, I, I never said anything other than it was effortless, uh, <laughs> takes no time, no stress, no risk, no, you know. But we're
1: choosing not to be working <laughs> in, in, you know, a corporate, you know, like, yeah. Right. And so we're choosing that
0: life. We've chosen that. And that's a beautiful thing because there's a lot that comes with that. Well, even more. I mean, this morning I said to some people on our team, uh, we got a couple of problems here with this part of our business and I'm going to take full responsibility for it because I've been so busy that I didn't have the bandwidth to pay attention to the fact that you guys weren't calling me in for certain meetings that I really need to be in. So I'm not going to blame you for it. I dropped the ball. I didn't see that. So for the next you know year until that's all back in shape, um, I need to be in every one of those meetings. I need to be part of you know every part of this development process and that aspect of the business and um, you know to make sure it's all it's all on track. And ironically, the improvement that we're talking about. Um, with my involvement is probably five percent. It's some small thing, but from my perspective and from the perspective of the business itself, it's a big thing. It's like these the, sometimes those little itty bits. It's, it's similar to what you're saying about lifting. If you don't really push it, you don't know what's going on. I'm not okay with things being okay. They need to be top of the line. When we need to be if at some point we're doing something that's so frightening to Nike or Reebok or Adidas or whomever that they're going to come after us, we need to be better than them. We can't be doing, you know, we can't judge ourselves against the metrics for those companies. And and um, uh, and happily, you know, the people on our team are like, got it. But, you know, the problem is for the fun of it, because I got more people on my team than yours, is people always want to just go, ta-da, here it is. Look how well we did. And now you can relax. Like, yeah. You're not there yet. No,
1: no, no. Yeah. Now we need to find the next piece. That's good. Yeah. We got to get, we got to get a couple more pounds
0: thing. on the bar first and you're you're not there. And and be, by, by the way, I just want to highlight that part of, you know, you don't know until you push yourself. Um, it's a line that I have is like, no one's ever set a PR in practice. Yeah, It's like only, only when the shit is ready to hit the fan, do you find out who you really are? Yep. And to your point, if it all breaks down at that point, that's not going to be good. It- i will put a pin in that, like
1: you don't know who you are until for a second, yeah. but first I want to talk about the piece on the parenting that you mentioned. Mm, please. So, you know, there's a lot of people who say, Hey, you know, I don't focus as much on my work. My family, you know, is the priority. Right. And they're just like, everything is all about that. And that, you know, I a hundred percent agree with that, but there's a point of like, there's a miss when you get to the point where you have subjugated your life to your children first, what are you doing? Are you really going to set them up for success in life? Because all you're showing them is that your life is only going to be around between the time you finish school and that period of like between that and when you have kids, because as soon as you have kids, you need to subjugate and quit chasing the things that are important to you and put on hold everything in your life Do you want your kids to do that? Do you not want them to chase and try to accomplish the things that they want? Right. Right. So if you're putting everything, I put them first, like, well, actually, that means they're not first because you're not setting the example. You're not leading in a fashion and absolutely not approaching this from, well, that means just chase your work. Hell no.
0: This is balanced through extremes, right? Right. Yeah, well, what you're saying is you're you're not a helicopter parent. You're parenting by not being a helicopter parent. But I'm curious, given that you, I'm going to say this for the fun of it, since you grew up as a feral child. And by the way, I'm dying to know what your parents did just for the fun of it. But given, given, but come back to that in a sec. But given, you know, your feral child upbringing, um, what have you changed in the way you're raising your kids? I mean, compared to that.
1: Good question. So you know, big thing for me is the day making sure that i've always got a stable environment um, a center a rock that they can rely on and we're not in a position that they're wondering they're gonna have a place to go home to is it going to be cold are they like but at the same time i am doing a lot of how i was was raised which is around you know creating you know independence trying to guide you know trying to guide through the process of letting them fail Mm. to letting them fall down. Because if you provide and make sure that your child wins all the time, that they never fail, they never fall down. They never really build confidence because you have to, that's how you build confidence in the long run is to be able to fail. And then know I came back around. I wasn't good enough. Wasn't smart enough. I wasn't fast enough. I wasn't whatever it was but i figured out a way and i went back and attacked it i did i worked harder i studied more i did whatever it was and i came back and you know i was able to to accomplish whatever the goal was and so the ability in and not just the ability but the process of failing and overcoming that is something that you have to earn and only you can do that. And so putting those things in front of them, but still tempering, like you don't want somebody to fail in a fashion of they're going to drown. Right. And so, uh, yeah, so there's, there's a balance. I don't have the, I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to pretend to, but that's the line that, that I try. And the other is just a little bit more guidance. I didn't have a lot of like general guidance on life, like how to navigate the world. Uh, my my parents, so to answer your question, my mother didn't want to be part of society at all. Mm. There's some things that happened in her upbringing uh, with authority and other issues that she, she was very smart. She had top of her class of 1500 was going to go to school, was going to school to be a, uh, a chemist and just said this, I, I don't want to be part of this. And so she ended up In the mountains, growing weed for a living, and so that was, you know, this is, 70s, early 80s, and that's why we were in this area. So there's actually a documentary uh, on the area, Murder Mountain. Yeah, we were about 50 miles deeper and more remote. So if you ever anybody reads or listens to my book, it's great on Audible, by the way. I read (laughs) it, Uh, but. And you have questions about, uh, you know, the, the things that I'm describing, the police corruption, the human tri- like you watch that documentary be like, Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's as real as you can, you can believe like it's this, uh, the, was it the golden triangle or whatever, uh, in Northern California at that time. Yeah. There's people running around the mountains with machine guns and people disappearing. Right. And I mean, it was, it was wild time and that's, where we were at and that is not a place to raise your children that's not a life to raise your children with we were taken by the state for a while like i said there was, was a lot of bad stuff you know essentially nearly every single type of trauma when yeah. they list the the eight types
0: like nine i've yet yeah, well, i've lived that well that's an interesting oh. question so you know i'm always fascinated this is going to be a nature nurture question because i'm always fascinated by by children who come out of challenging or traumatic situations and the ones who thrive and the ones who don't. And people like to make simple explanations for this one, but I go, the fact that, you know, if there's five kids and one of them ends up being, uh, you know, going to Harvard and becoming a physician and the other four were in the same situation and they became meth addicts or whatever, I'm making up stories. You know, what is it about those because it was, I mean, not exactly the same, one's older, one's younger, et cetera, et cetera, but fundamentally the same. And I just find that really interesting. Um, and I have an opinion about the nature and nurture thing. What's your take on that? I mean, again, you know, that was a crazy, crazy time. Yeah. Well, my, yet- my,
1: my younger brother is living in a shack in the mountains in Northern California. I think he's got a generator now. Uh, he's not there. He's in prison. Uh, Back and forth between those and my sisters, you know, I definitely, there's a reason I took over and took Gusty uh, in that, that fashion. A lot of people I grew up with, they're dead. Didn't make it. Yeah. They're in prison. Yeah. They're on drugs. Uh, And here's my view. And I relate things a lot back to the basic framework of human development, Right. If you walk into a gym, there's some people that have a higher baseline level of resilience. Everybody walks in the gym, puts 135 on the bar, and you do 20 reps. And that's going to, your first time in the gym, that's going to absolutely destroy most people. And you keep going, okay, now we're going to do a, I'm trying to think of some of the the Russian, like, high-frequency Bulgarian training. Just eats people alive. You know, those programs work through attrition. They had a lot of athletes and and how they found success at the Olympics and so on was they found the ones that could survive
0: this, and this everybody else thing.
1: fucking died. This is the and same so, thing, just FYI. At so the- everyone adapts to resilience. Right. Right. But. So, you know, you impose stress, right? And mm-hmm. we have a positive response. Before that, there's a downward, right? And if we impose too much too soon, it'll continue on a downward uh, trend. But everyone's got a different baseline level to start with. Yeah. And I think that I had a higher baseline level because if we keep hitting it too much, that is trauma. There's other things like it can be the base mental outlook. There's a lot of things, but I think that there's just a level of genetic and genetic lottery with a level of that resilience. Now, over time, I've learned how to manage that and use it and lever it through you know those principles of human development so that I'm I'm pushing those limits and then keep stacking over time. And sometimes I push it too far, and you got a little downward. That's that. That's life, um, but you figure out how to upswing that again. But there's there's just just like everybody walking in the gym the first time. Everybody's got a different baseline level,
0: and um, yeah. What were
1: you gonna say about the?
0: Uh, well, the- just the the running program at the University of Colorado is was all success by attrition, and and I actually remember when I was in college, I was at Duke. Uh, there were two women on the gymnastics team. Who had been coached by their parents and never worked out more than three days in a week, and then they came, and never had an injury. Then they come to college and they're working out five, six days a week. Injury, 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 and could never convince the coach. We've got to go back to three a week. We just can't do it this way. Yeah, he just could not. You know, couldn't go there. It's a, it's a that, that
1: programming is a filtering process.
0: Yeah, we're gonna take ten thousand people
1: and find the two freaks in there that can yeah. survive it, and they're gonna make a shit ton of progress. And everybody else is by the wayside because they're expendable.
0: But right? And you know, and, the, here's the irony. The irony is, it just occurred to me, it wasn't just in uh, athletics. This was the same thing going on for, I was a pre-med, same thing going on for the pre-meds. And in fact, at one point, after like getting all the way through, so I'm taking advanced biology, advanced chemistry, advanced physics, advanced mathematics. And I came to the head of the chemistry department because he just happened to be there when I had this realization, as, which was all these things tie together like at this level you need every one of those to be able to explore the other ones you need to understand the physics to understand the chemistry and vice versa for example and if you and i said to him if you just taught it from the top down that way showing the integration of these things where you have to learn the math to understand what you just saw in the fill in the blank other discipline that would just be utterly fascinating and it would be so you know well rounded and you'd build just better people and better thinkers and i swear to god this is what he said to me with this exact uh, accent well then how would we weed out the pre-meds it was the saddest thing i ever heard
1: that's uh that's that's pretty sad (laughs) but it's the truth and uh you know it's it's got its roots and it's like you see that so often uh in kind of you know very difficult and challenging environments because They don't want to waste their time, you know, developing or spending the time with the others. And again, like how much is, it doesn't matter to them. It's like, I need these subset over here. It doesn't matter what happens to everybody else that doesn't make it. Their life's destroyed. Their body's destroyed. Like, that's why it's very popular in like those, the communist, you know, countries when it came to that, because those people were expendable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, to come back to something I teased you about. So it seems somewhat clear to me now that one of the things that you prioritize is sleep. Yes.
1: Yep. I sleep nine, 10 hours a night. Uh, Pretty much my whole life is fundamental, right? Because it's, when it comes down to recovery, it doesn't matter if, if I'm pushing and burning the candle and I'm not able to be there and be at my best. It's like, I don't do 50 million things. Like it's, here's a couple things and I'm going to do those world class and I'm going to take that and accomplish that. Right. And so learning how to cut or cut out all the excess stuff in your life. I use a lot of Japanese philosophy and my, you know, my continuous improvement turnaround days. And there's this process, like it's a shop floor, like, you know, manufacturing thing called 5S. And in that process, you basically remove everything from your workspace, everything you need. People freak out like, no, I have to have this, 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 you pull all their toolbox, you pull everything. And then you slowly add back, okay, what's just the thing that you need and where is it in hands reach, right? (laughs) And now, okay, the next thing, right? Okay. And then something goes wrong. Maybe we need to pull in a whole nother resource, maintenance or whatever to come in, but you're not going to have all the like it's you have everything that you need right here and you cut away all the fluff you mm-hmm. cut away and in your life you will find that you do so much we're ha- we're habits of this of like to feel like we're accomplishing stuff we're knocking stuff off our checklist. we've got our bucket list of all the things that we want to accomplish i fucking hate bucket lists it's because like oh here's a list of a million things like that's the wrong way to live life like What is the key shit that you love that make you, you know, the way that you want to live? I want to have, you know, you know, an aspect of continuous learning, I want to have a a sense of family or community. I want to have a creative outlet. I want to have challenge or competition, right? Uh, These are like, you shouldn't have more than five to seven things and everything that you do that's key in your life should be a way that you're expressing those. It's not the freaking thing. It's not the visiting the Great Wall of China, like travel or whatever, like the experiences of like other, like that may be one of your, your, your values. Yeah. And it could be any way you didn't make it the Great Wall of China, but you did something else mm-hmm. like just with your career. Okay. You, you wanted to play in the NFL and your knee got taken out. Your life's not over. What was it about that, that were the drivers in your, in your value system? that you can express that in some other way. And so when you start looking at this stuff, you can really start parent, like how much we just want to get shit done and feel like we're doing things. And so we run around with our hair, you know, burning on fire. Yours is going to burn a lot more than mine. Those big golden locks. But um, <laughs> but we fill our time with, with things that make us feel like we're getting a whole lot done. And mm-hmm. you're not really, like at the end of the day, did you actually take one step closer to that life and the place that you want and the way that you want to live to, to get to this North star, to even know what that North star is. is like, you know, this perfect vision of where you want to be because, well, it doesn't, you're never going to get there. Just, that's the definition of a North star, but you can get one step closer every single day. And we get sidetracked and distracted with life. And we're walking this way and we're walking that way. And six months roll by six years roll by. Yeah. Three decades roll by, <laughs> and you look back, and you're like, fuck, I didn't get anything done. I'm still at the same fucking spot. I've just been, I've just been filling my life with shit, like just tasks, tasks.
0: Yeah. I, I love, I mean, I like this. I, I love this idea of understanding what it is that motivates you for the thing that you're doing. Because you might not be able to do that thing or accomplish that thing at the level that you hope. I mean, look, my personal thing when I got back into sprinting, I had no idea something, you know, I want to get good and I want to win races. And then I met the guys who beat me. I will never beat them. These are former world champions, Olympians, et cetera. They hit the genetic lottery like there's no tomorrow. I got five of the numbers, they got six of the numbers plus the powerball. So, um, but. But you don't point. have to. I, what is it about I, it? I love the competition. I love the camaraderie because we're all insane that we're working this hard for something where it just gets worse from this point. You don't get faster once you're over sixty something. So, um, but there's but there's so many things about it that are satisfying. And um, you know, I've had this thought because I've had a, I had my I had shoulder surgery recently. I had eyeball surgery before that. I had blah blah blah. And um, so I thought, okay, well, if I wasn't able to run what would I do? And, um, and I, you know, certain activities that I can't do any longer because my body just can't tolerate them very well. But literally one is like, you know, one thing that I always liked, I've never explored what it would be like to you know, try and be a powerlifter in my weight class. Would I win? Absolutely not. Would it be really interesting? Absolutely. So here's a thing where
1: people make a lot of big misses is you'll see people identify themselves with the things that they do, I am right. a power lifter. Right, I am a football player. I am, and so, and that's why you see a lot of like
0: professional athletes get they lost in the well, depression, it's worse. drugs. It's, well, it's, worse. it's worse. They they can't compete anymore. Then they try to come back, yeah, because they because they don't know who they are without it. They and lost they, their sense of self. Yeah, they never don't know why they did that, so they can't move
1: to the next thing that is another iteration, the next yeah. evolution of that. Let me show you something.
0: Can I share my screen? Yeah, go for it. Now, for people who are not watching this, we will describe what uh, Chris is showing. Okay. All right. Here, you describe it because, holy crap, you'll it's more than, more than I could do.
1: This is an Ouroboros. Uh, this is my framework uh, for how I kind of coach people on these concepts, but it's the six stages of personal growth. And so there's, you know, it's a, an infinity loop. So on the left side is a circle on the right side is a circle and the left side inside of it looks like a square root symbol. And in that square root, there's six things, the six P's. And this is the six stages of personal growth. You've got the precipice. um, And that is, and then you've got the plunge, which is, you know, falling down into the square, the square root symbol, the pit that's in the bottom, the pull, and then the peak with the high end and the plateau. And so what this is, is just a framework for people to understand like where you're at in moments in life. And so the precipice is like this ability to recognize that you've got something scary in front of you. Mm. You are you know that the next step is stepping into the unknown. It's going to be scary. It's going to be problematic. It's fraught with with challenge. But you've got an idea of like, if I get to the other side, I can see the peak. I can see like this place that I want to be, but you've got to be willing to, to step into that. And it could be starting a new business. It could be changing careers, going back to school, uh, chasing, you know, (laughs) getting married, like anything, but there's also micro ones too. And I'll I'll Mm -hmm. talk about that in a minute. And you got the plunge, which is like this, like free fall. Oh shit. What am I doing? You get the pit. A lot of this is, a. am not going to go through a big level of depth, but the pit is a really important one to understand. And that's like, this is when you have taken a step or life's taken a step for you. Because sometimes you get pushed over the edge, like shit comes at us. And this is why yeah, you but, need to develop resilience. In
0: fact, in fact, wait, hold, hold on two things. For one, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. But the other thing, yeah, sometimes you just find yourself there. I got to tell you, when you said, you know, the precipice, you see something scary ahead. I don't know if this is true of all entrepreneurs. It's certainly true of me that, um, uh, people talk about, you know, taking risk with what I do. And I go, I have no idea what you're referring to. I just see what's possible on the other end and just go for it because I don't have any concern about, and that's where you've
1: developed the practice. And that's where like doing micro cycles of these. So just like meso and micro cycles in training, you can prepare yourself for these events because they're going to come at you in life. So not having, and you ever see people that lock up and can't handle It's because they haven't developed that resilience and they don't know how to respond. Right. But the pit is like those ones where you're just overwhelmed, like, Oh my God, where the fuck am I going? You know, my marriage is failing. My business is going under whatever it is. And it's, it's, you've got to change your framework, the shorter, the less time you spend in there, the better. And so (laughs) there's a process that I use for, for those experiences as well. And, it's a three-step process of like this recognizing like oh oh okay I'm at the pit in my life right I'm, at, I'm I'm here and accepting that like is is a really powerful thing yeah but then realizing oh oh not just accepting I am going to purposely choose to celebrate this <laughs> yeah celebrate because this is when I write the action book, you know, of my life, this is going to be when I get to the other side, I'm going to be so fucking proud of getting out of this and overcoming in this. And the fact I've got this moment is going to be when I'm going to tell my grandkids about, you know, or maybe it's something that is not a family share thing. You know, I'll just share it in my <laughs> head, you know, uh, but it's going to be that's why I'm going to be on my deathbed with no regrets, because I fucking stepped into shit like this and I stepped out of it. And also,
0: I want to ask you a Rick, question. Yeah. Because this is something that comes up a lot with with let's say entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs or actually even experienced people as well, where they're in a pit and they think they're going to be able to go into the pull phase and get to a peak and get to a plateau, but the reality is it's not even. I'm trying to think of how to. I'm trying to frame it in this way and it, with a similar metaphor. They're not in a pit they're in a something where well, you're going to have to give me a good word for where the reality is you, you need to pull the ripcord on this one. Um, I've watched too many entrepreneurs get so committed to their idea that they miss the glaring obvious lesson, which was uh, um cut bait. Yeah.
1: So, and that's partly, so it's like, this is where understanding your values come in You're yeah. going, okay, I'm going to use this pit as a learning moment. And I'm going to reframe and leverage my life and still take this experience and grow from that in a way. Um, Because, yeah, guess what? The business Duffin convinced me to start my own business and it fucking failed. God, fuck that guy. I guarantee (laughs) you're going to be better off at the end of the day because you did. You needed to have that failure. You need to have that moment to be able to move to the next thing.
0: Right. But this is the the reason I highlight this is there are people, and you're not doing this, but I wanted to highlight it. There are so many people who make a living by trying to teach this idea that all you need to do is, you know, commit and be and and blah, blah, blah. And you're, it's definitely going to succeed. You just need the right mindset and you just need to work a little harder. It's like, no, no. Sometimes you got to look in the mirror and go, oops. You are going to succeed. Right. That task or action might not succeed. Right.
1: And so that's actually, we can't get into it, but this whole right side is actually, um, it's this, uh, mind, body, uh, spirit. It is this, uh, it's, you know, external factors, internal. So it's anyway, sorry, it's broken in. So this (laughs) outer wheel is a lot of like process stuff. It's the who it's, you know, why, why, what, what, Right. And how. And so this outer piece is how, like this is the uh, planning, deploying, analyzing, analyzing, adapting. adapting, uh, Right. So there's a lot of depth in it. This is uh, based on a Hushin Conry philosophy uh, around policy deployment, basically strategic deployment. You'll notice that it starts with momentum, the ability to step into a precipice, to use a story and values to then, you know, take the momentum to start creating a plan, including people in the plan, but to be effective at this. And this is the piece that people miss in like business strategy, like folks is like, you've got to have like good interpersonal skills, the ability to coach and mentor and lead. And so that's the next, so this is the, so this is, this is how you do it, right? Mm. Um, What you do is this outside, which is your tactical strategic, how you do it is, Mastering influence and credibility, meaningful conflict, resolution, coaching for results, communicating with intent. And then why you do it is the inner, and that's understanding your values, your yeah. mind, body, and spirit, which you develop through this same process. And so this is where you go, God, I'm having trouble with being able to master you know meaningful conflict. and it's killing my business and I've got big things, but I also got this like hard conversation I need to have with my sister, right? here's a micro, micro present precipice to like, just step into that conversation and have it and grow and get used to being able to do that and then move to the next step. So that's why it's the bores the infinity, because all this loops back in and on itself all the time. And the more that you grow the skills, the bigger you can move on the development cycle, the bigger things in life that you can tackle but to develop the skills, you, be you have to take microcycles of that, of like stepping into the, stepping off the precipice over little things, right? So it's 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 a really so anyway. This is like my framework that I use but, when I am working with folks. So, uh, well, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna hear. I'll synopsize it with something you said. This has to do with what you were saying about both yourself and about your kids. There's a difference between confidence and competence. And most people think confidence is just a feeling that you should be able to muster that's going to be the thing that drives you or that allows you to move forward. But what really does it is the competence because you've lived through these things. And that is something my experience is people who are competent at something don't try to convince you that they are confident. In fact, the more competent they are, the more likely they're going to say, uh, Um, could be, we'll see, we'll have to check it out. Uh, rather than acting like, you know, just... Pl- the the things that I've seen in with entrepreneurs in particular, they have some business, does really well, they make a bunch of money. And then they think that, that the, ne- the next time they have an idea that has that same feeling that the first one had, they go, oh, I'm really confident it's going to work. And then they lose all their money. And because they mistake the fact that the new thing they're doing, they're not competent there. It's the world has changed. Even if they are competent with the skills they had originally, the world around them has changed. And that competence is irrelevant. And it, it's, I've met some of these guys after, you know, when they're, they just launched their new multi-million-dollar thing and everyone is just kissing their butt because, Hey, you're back. And this must be a great idea because it's you. And I'm going, yeah, I hope you get a hobby. And I hope you put, a, that's all somebody else's money. Cause you're about to lose it all. Yep.
1: Yep. They're going to get humbled. And you know, that's not that needs to happen. That's part of that cycle. And, but understanding that's the framework and it's not the idea, not the strategy. Yeah. You're going to use that stuff and you, uh, you know, that's important, but these are the other components. And so yeah, that's that little, gra- that little graphic, I think is like 25 years of me, like thinking <laughs> about this shit.
0: Uh, <laughs> what, wait when did you wake up in the middle of the night going "Ooh, it's like a it's like a square root symbol and then oh when did that i, I you?
1: told you how my design process works doesn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything comes in the dream and i wake up and it's by my bed and uh and <laughs> yeah i had all these ideas and all the things because like i i used to teach like the hoshin connery like that's how i did my turnaround stuff right and then i had a whole like six week course that i would teach for my leadership on leadership development and the process and and one night I'm like sitting there. I woke up and I'm like, I saw it all and it was moving in and out of each other. And this, I'm like, yeah. I've got the framework of actually how all this stuff works together. Cause I would coach people independently on the different aspects of it. But now I can go, hey, this is where we're at. And this is the piece. Now I want to pull this piece instead of like, oh, we need to work on this eight week piece so I can get this little piece for you. Now I can jump in anywhere. Yeah. with any of the, the you know the leaders that I'm working with with any of my companies, and so um, yeah. Anyway, that's I hear it's not right. No, nothing's no, no, like, right.
0: But it's, it's a model. It's a useful it's model. A model. It's a model. But yeah, I, because because of the way you were describing how you saw it, I've got to ask you. Or I'll 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 tell you my thing, and you can tell me if you're similar. I'm just curious because I've never had this conversation with anybody. I can't get anything done in a room where the ceiling is lower than ten feet. <laughs> Cause I can't, cause it's like my ideas need to live up there somewhere. And if there's something in the way physically, I can't think like, I, I remember being at a restaurant with a bunch of people. We're in a corner table and we're coming up with all these creative ideas. And I happen to be sitting in the corner. I'm going to, I got to get the hell out of the corner. I got to get in the middle of the room. Cause I can't, I don't have enough room to think. And they thought I was crazy, but like, you know, I don't, do you have anything similar to that kind of embodied whatever it's uh. by the way, I, 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 I dug under my house to create a
1: shop that was uh. 12 feet tall. Just like, <laughs> why do you need to go that deep? Why don't you go two feet less? I'm like, it's got to be a But I, I take that as a yes. Uh, the height thing, no, but I, I create a lot of space for me to be creating other things. Like I, yeah. I, I can't sit down and go, Oh, I'm going to think of ideas on X. Like, Oh my God.
0: It uh, just no, doesn't dude. dude I'm doing I'm doing a bunch of, uh, right now, we don't have on our team. I've been trying to, well, anyway, I'm having meetings next week with a bunch of potential copywriters. And so in the meantime, I'm doing a lot of editing if I'm not actually writing the copy. In fact, the people who are doing it, I'm just editing their stuff and it's a lot of editing often. And the other day I had to say, I got to tell you guys, I'm not a trained monkey. I can't just do this on command, even though it's scheduled on our calendar for once or twice a week. I can't guarantee that I'm going to be able to just churn it out. You know, it happens when it happens, it happens big and fast. So, you know, just FYI. So, yeah. So what I've gotten to is one,
1: making sure that I have time to just like spend with my hands yep. doing things and not even related to business. Like, and that starts one gets me more in a creative space. It doesn't even happen then. But if I don't have that time in my life, it's not yep. happening. But the other is when the ideas hit, everything okay. else drops. Got to go. If I yep. wake up late. You know, and it's like, like I'm going to, if I'm like, whatever, like when those things hit, like everything else drops, Yeah, I'm in the gym, I'm pencil pet like I, like that is because that's when the, I've got my most recent, this fucking design is going to fucking be amazing, but I, my I, I, I saved it because my wife says I got to frame it in my office next to all my other beautiful prints, Yeah, but it's the inside of a pizza box. That's hysterical. Because I'm sitting there eating with the di- kids um, at dinner and I'm just like, I got it. And I'm just like yeah. drawn it. And then I had paper cutouts of uh, another box that I grabbed. And so I've got the greasy folded up pizza box great. with like this amazing fucking product that's going to be coming out uh, in the next six months. And I'm like, she's like, got going f- to frame the pizza box, right? <laughs> Grease that's a little awesome. cheese on there, wherever. But like it hit and I can't like just... If you're the create like that's your time. Cause you're not gonna, that inspiration, like what was it like? I spent trying to recreate and get back into that moment, that peak of that, that spark that juiced in your brain. Yeah. And yeah. you got it then go with it.
0: I spent uh, in the early days of the company, um, we were renting a house in uh, just North of downtown Boulder, had a hot tub outside. And I spent a couple hours every night just sitting in that hot tub Thinking about ways to develop these products or, or so, come up with a solution for something. And there's one product that I've been working on, it just occurred to me for 12 years because I couldn't find the way to do it. And then about six months ago, it was like we had the latest iteration and it still wasn't working. And we drew it on the, we drew some of the, the design elements on a whiteboard, and I looked at it. I went, "Oh, now I know why it's wrong." And in one second, fixed it. But it took like twelve years to mm-hmm. make that happen. Yep. And but but part of it was sitting in the hot tub every night, going through the stuff in my head, just just letting it roll around and get them wrong. And, 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 and it may not it. come
1: to you then. That's that's fine. But yeah. that's the uh, creative space. In other words. For me, like any that I'm in a phase where like my schedule is fucking packed and I'm running hard and I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting a bunch of shit done. Yeah. That just dampens my career. Like totally, I, I do, I'm not in that. I think like, I have to like not be in the space where I'm slammed moment to moment and you have to, and that's what I call myself. I'm not the people like, Oh, you run the company. I'm like, no, no. I have other people that do. Cause like I, th- my job with this, I did that before. Yeah. I don't need to do that. And if I do that, I'm going to suck at this because to me, I can't, those things don't mix
0: well. So I'm the visionary. Like this is my job. This is why we, this is why we adore each other. So, um, you know, but I'm envious of you because we grew so quickly that I didn't have the, and we didn't have the money, frankly, the luxury of bringing in the people to do the things that I shouldn't be doing, I'm competent at. I mean, one of the greatest gifts is my wife is a brilliant finance operations person. I'm a product marketing person. So at least we had all the business bases covered and we're both really smart. So, you know, we could do all these things, but we didn't have the resources to bring on the people to do them better. I, ha- I always hate it when someone says, you know, I'm not really smart. I just hired people smarter than me. It's like, you no, know, we're just hiring people who yeah. are, it, I mean, I, that, that's just so disingenuous for one. Um, And, you know, so we're surrounding ourselves with people who are just really competent at very specific things so that we don't have to do those things. That's not about smarter or less smart. It's just finding out where you need to fill in those holes. And we're only now just getting to it. And the whole goal, like our president slash CFO, he says, my entire goal is to make it so that you have almost nothing to do every day, because that's what you need to be able to do the stuff that actually builds this company. And hope, and hopefully that's happening over the next six months or so. There's only like one, two, four, four people we need to make that happen. And, and of course, I know that when I say that I'm completely full of shit because with some of the things that are going on, we're going to need another 20 people for those, but it ain't going to be me. Cause I know that's not where my, what I, what I do that's important is not that. Yeah so it's so so again it's in both inspiring and annoying to talk to you because uh, because you cuz you came from a background where just your corporate background where you understood that in a way where i'm just like diving into the deep end and figuring it out on the fly i'm learning how to swim i'm learning how to fly the plane while it's you know nose diving towards the ground and, um, it's, a, it's a very
1: different environment when you're growing a business versus being in the corporate world where you've got a lot of resources though, too. Like right. It's like, it's a, maybe I, I, I make it sound, you know, easy, um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's wearing you, a lot of freaking hats and oh, yeah. I just, uh, sometimes it, it sucks cause you feel like you really suck at something and. It's just like, you just, you don't have the time, but no one else is there to do it either. Right. So, oh, um, look,
0: our website as of today is the culmination of my laziness. It's like, I, you know, it, it built itself piece by piece over 14 years, but my brain, it's like, I got to get out of my head and then I can't think about it anymore. I don't have the time. And so there's just a lot of pieces of that puzzle that reflect that if you really understood it happily, we have a new design coming out soon because there's other people who don't have that problem. But, uh, but yeah, it is. Anyway, that's, you know, neither here nor there Um, back to you for the win. (laughs) So what's interesting to me in talking to you, and I hope other people find the same is that people are going to have to listen to this, this conversation and listen to it both practically and metaphorically, because we're talking about things in certain domains that are applicable in almost any aspect of your life, but you're going to have to take the time, whoever's listening, take the time to really ponder that one and see and be ruthlessly interested <laughs> in seeing how this applies. Um, and I say interested rather than honest, because honest I don't know what the hell honest means, but to really be be curious to take a look and go, all right, how might this apply? Is the part that I find really compelling?
1: Yeah, I I hope that some people do that because you're right. There's the things that we've talked about, and these apply all areas, and they're the same concepts that you know I'm talking about with family, important relationships with people that you know, extreme success. I'm not just just talking my, myself, but you, you know, and people that I've worked with, but in the athletic realm, to leadership, to you know, entrepreneurship. And so we've talked about some specific instances, but every one of the things that we've dove into is essentially a way of, of, of life. Yeah. And it's not the answers it's putting a way for you to find yours, finding your set of values, your set of approaches to put that in place. Cause I don't, I don't know what's best for you in your life. But if you don't answer those questions and have an approach, you're leaving yourself short. And this is, it's hard work and it's never ending work Yeah. at the same time, unfortunately.
0: Well, and even just the simple thing that, that um, you brought up, which um, Lane and I talk about all the time, for people who identify as the thing they do, if you do nothing, if I, I, I'm loath to give advice for the same reason. I don't know what's best for anybody else, but I would I would throw out there the invitation that if you don't have a simple way of divorcing your some uh, your identity from the thing you do, that's gonna that's gonna bite you in the ass one day. It's gonna bite we, you in the butt because every one of those can be ripped out from a, uh, under yeah. you on any random Tuesday. People people they people talk to Lane and I and they go, Well, you know, if you guys ever sell the company and retire, what are you gonna plan to do? Because if you don't know in advance, you're gonna you know, everything's gonna be a problem. It's like, no, it's not gonna be a problem because we don't have an identity tied up with what we're doing. So something will show up. Don't know what, don't care. It'll be there. People cannot
1: grasp and don't want let li- I don't lift heavy anymore. Like, what is the next grand goals, or just straight up like, you you won't quit. You have to come back. It's who you are. It's what you do. You will. You'll, you'll. And I'm like, no. Do you understand? That was an expression of my. That was one way of expressing it. That's not. It's an expression. That's not who I am. It's showing you who I am in a way. But that isn't it. That can be a million things.
0: Like, well, But back to how we started this you know, as well as I, that there are a lot of people in that world who actually are meatheads. And I don't even say that detri- uh, derogatorily because, um, every, you know, you, you need the right person in the right job, but you also know that it, again, it's more than who you are. And even for them, it's, you know, they are more than just that you're going to, you might like this. Um, I'd been living in this one, uh, condo that I owned for seven or eight years and we're moving out and, um, We just got the last stuff out and I'm standing next to a friend of Lena's as I locked the door behind me for the last time. She says, are you going to miss this place? And I turned to her, I went, what place? (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. It's like it was over, you know, in that moment. Now we didn't talk anything about the footwear business, So I'm going to do the world's fastest thing uh, for that. When seven months into starting Zero Shoes, we had uh, a few months earlier, we had met, some guys who'd been in footwear for about 35 years apiece. They'd all met at Reebok 35 years earlier. They bounced around as people do in this industry to different uh, companies. Then they eventually decided to just start their own thing. They were doing consulting and whatnot. And um, at the end of this little weekend that we had with them, they said, we really believe in what you're doing. And we really believe in who you are and what, and and who and you. And we would start this company with you, but we've been in footwear so long that we're not stupid enough to try and start a shoe company. So um, anything resonant there for you? (laughs) There's some, it's a hard
1: industry. Like there's some big dogs and they will push you around. And there's a lot of volumes that are needed. Like it is, there's a reason you don't see a lot of new entries and there's just so much misinformation that's out there in the public as well. So having a product and trying to do something right and it requiring education, it's a massive hurdle uh so um and that's you know that's a foundation of where i've always operated from though is education first um you know i'm gonna that my uh kabuki strength i'm gonna offer uh a free subscription uh for two months for any listeners if they want it to our edu plus platform by the way so continuing ed well we'll put well
0: we'll, we'll, i'll give give, you um and that's the link in a bit, but we'll also put it in the show notes. And what I'm going to tell you is because you made that offer to me, you gave me access to it, and it is so much good information about pretty much everything you can think of for um, your, you know, mind and body, if you will. It's brilliant.
1: It's the Netflix of strength. So anybody that wants to develop physical resilience, like it's, it's got so many massive leading presenters, thousands. I mean, it's there's nothing. It's the greatest value in fitness.
0: It's wonderful. It,
1: yeah, it, 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 I get it two months for free. You cancel freaking fine. Uh, you you ain't, you ain't getting a fraction of the content in two months, by the way. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> yeah, COVID is over. We're not in lockdown. We're not all watching Tiger King. Yeah. So um, yeah, it'll take a, it would take quite a while to get through it. If you have a life. Yeah. So I think uh, I took
1: that another direction,
0: but uh, no, no, that's totally fine. No, that's yeah. uh, that's fine. And and by the way, we never even brought it up. I mean, you know, um, I hope people get the hint. So first of all, Chris's barefoot shoes are B E A R, pursuant to what he said about chasing bears or being chased by bears. And and some people are maybe a little um, curious, like how are we having this conversation because we're arguably competitors. And I don't see it that way. Well, let me no, let me be totally honest. I see it that way like 30% of the way because we're targeting different people. Um, We have a different sense of what we're doing with the business and product, but more importantly, I love what you're doing. I mean, you know, there are people who are arguably making quote, barefoot shoes that I would never talk to because it would be too hard for me to say, by the way, your stuff sucks. And you're actually making it too thick or too stiff or too something or too clownish or whatever. Anyone listening, if you're. uh, There is a
1: lot of people that don't know what they're doing in this. So it's. Uh, so I understand where you're coming from because yeah, you don't want to have somebody on that. You can't really endorse. And, but very much like we have a different aesthetic, different approach, different, like we're, yeah, we're competitors at the same time too.
0: That's fine too. But the reason that I have no problem with that is that it's the, it is the competition. It is the additional people who are building the awareness for the entire category that it is a, you know, rising tide and chips, as they say um and so you know i love it i mean if you look on google trends uh the number of searches for barefoot shoes is an all-time high right now depending on the day you look frankly but basically it's an all-time high it's been growing organically and that's because there are more people who are trying to educate more people who are trying to comment more people making youtube videos either criticizing or endorsing what we're doing um frankly the work that we're doing to help ourselves is helping everybody else as well so i you know for me it's the more the merrier and i remember even when we we're just getting started I, I, Some, i'm
1: sorry i, I got it. The, the people that criticize it is just hilarious though because it's oh, like yeah. do you not understand human development like the stuff that we've gone through here like you <laughs> have to use something and challenge it to have it develop resilience if not it atrophies and
0: like, I, I do it simpler I, I, I,
1: when
0: I, people argue when people argue with me so I have a video, the the hook on the video, the opening of the video. I say, I don't wear comfortable shoes. I refuse to wear comfortable shoes and you should too. Now, many people stop right there and tell me what a moron I am. And I say to them, so which part of what I actually said in the video do you disagree with? Do you disagree that stronger is better than weaker? Do you disagree that movement is better than being uh, restrained? Do you disagree that feedback and sensation is better than numbness? Because that's what I'm talking about.
1: Wake up every day and strap that strap that uh, your your belt that they uh, have at uh, Home Depot on and wrap up your elbows and go about your day. Let me know how that works for you. Let me know how that works for you. Oh, my Let God. All that never... Back pain and elbow pain. That's all going to go away.
0: Yeah, it never occurred with
1: any problems anywhere else either.
0: That's right. It never occurred to me that the that the worst example of what to do for your body are Home Depot workers. But maybe that's why you can never find one when you get to Home Depot. They're in the back, you know, the first aid counter. So um, that's hysterical. Anyway, uh, so, no, I you know actually I I will confess though my air quotes favorite uh, story is when there's a new brand that comes out and their origin story is we looked for something like this and we couldn't find anything like it so we made this and it's just ripping off something we did. Something,
1: yeah, no. That's why it's 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 been a little frustrating lately with some of the new entrants. Yep, that are just caught like there's nothing new that they're adding. Like I said, they're we're not, competitors. I feel that we do something different than what you're doing, and we have an approach like they're not the same.
0: Like they're not they're the same, same but, as far as minimal. Fund, yeah. fund. But but to be clear, fundamentally at the DNA level, we're talking the same game. Yes. Yeah. So, but I see people coming out with stuff and they're using the terms barefoot or minimalist and you look at it and go, I don't think you get what makes these things actually work. Yeah. So it's, there's some, especially some
1: really interesting ones this last year in that regard. (laughs) Uh, We'll name names.
0: (laughs) No, we'll, we'll compare notes, Um, but I I was going to say before, like early on, there was people who said, well, isn't what you're doing just a marketing play? It's like, well, if you mean, or is there more than one company who's going to do what we're doing at some point? I hope so. I hear there's more than one car company, more than one company that makes refrigerators, more than one company that makes nails, more than one company that makes everything. Except there's only like three companies that make wire hangers because those companies were started 200 years ago and it would be cost prohibitive to make the machinery to do it again. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> that's my fantasy business. they run 24-7, 365 with like eight people. <laughs> so but um but yeah it's like yeah we're all finding the way to tell ideally the right story to different people because they're going to resonate with a different story um it it, it, there's always room if you're doing if you're doing the right thing there's always room
1: yeah no i was always you know just so appreciative when i did reach out to you initially, because again, I'm a competitor. I wasn't sure what response, but I like what you're doing. And I reached out and we've had an ongoing conversation now for a couple of years, which is yeah. very unlike what you would expect in many industries and with many people. <laughs> so um, I've always been appreciative of that.
0: And uh, yeah. Uh, there are very few people who can appreciate what we're going through. And it's really the only people who are going through what we're going through. And I mean, look, we're both circumspect and are not revealing everything about everything because that's reality, but that's cool. It's kind of like like when I show up at a track meet, I don't know if you ever had anything like this when you were lifting, but I show up at a track meet and especially for master's track, we're a bunch of old guys and there'll be a guy standing next to me in the lane next to me and he'll look at me and, you know, very seriously go, Hey, have a good race, man. And I say, you know, there's no prize money involved. There's no sponsorship. You're not going to end up in the cover of a magazine or anything. So have a good time hopefully stay healthy and make it to the end without a problem. And by the way, I totally want to kick your ass. <laughs> and so I'm just a big fan of, you know, the whole truth because then everyone knows, you know, what the playing field looks like and you're going to have a good time yeah. while you're still trying to beat each other or still, you know, whatever else you're doing.
1: I've got a pretty interesting story in my, uh, in my book. It's, uh, flew to Australia for this giant meat. I don't know how much more time we have, but it's we have, we, we keep going and uh there's an individual he had the all-time world record on the squat, and then i had beaten it so he came out of retirement beat mine (laughs) so i came back and i beat it and then we both show up at this meet in australia like everybody from around the world came it was this epic meet and uh and so we're we're cutting weight to try to at this point he's I'm going to beat him at the total. Like, it's just, I'm going to beat him. Right. It's a known fact. And uh, he knows it,
0: but, but wait, but all... to be but to, but to be clear. Um, so people don't know for people who don't know if you guys hit the same weight in the same, in the same way, whoever's got the lower weight wins. Correct. Yeah. But he was actually cutting
1: weight to try to get to the next weight class down so that he couldn't beat, me, so that he didn't have to face me. Oh, so we're both cutting weight together. I'm trying to cut to a weight class that he's normally at, and he's trying to cut down to the next one below. <laughs> and uh, we're cutting weight all night long. And we get to a point. By the way, it's a crazy amount of weight. I lost 39 pounds in 36 hours. It's possible. I'm not going to tell you how because I don't want people to die. Oh, I had an IV God. in my arm beforehand. I have monitors monitoring, you know, different, uh, you know, my saliva levels for uh, anyway. At 2 a.m., he's like, I can't, I'm not going to make it. I'm out. He stayed up the rest of the night in and out of the sauna with me, oh. but he was now going to be in my weight class to help me oh, man. try to get to my weight class, even though it was now going to be detrimental to his performance for, for that, so that I could achieve that goal as well. Oh, my God. That's right. Beautiful and uh so it was uh is is yeah and so i ended up i lost my hearing too by the way and a bunch of other stuff so anyway
0: well you know in a a related note um i haven't been to this event in a while because it canceled during COVID, and i don't even know if they restarted and uh i'm going to suggest when i mention it i'm going to suggest anyone try and find the local version of what i'm about to say for themselves it's the northern colorado amateur bodybuilding competition one day I was in Boulder. And I opened the paper and I saw that it was in town. I went, oh, that could be interesting. You know, let's go check it out. First of all, it was a whole bunch of people who didn't look like they ever had been to Boulder before. not a typical Boulder crowd, which I love, you know, getting it out of the Boulder bubble and having people who clearly don't fit that vibe was awesome. But I ended up just crying through a lot of this meat because there was a whole bunch of people on that stage trying to compete for the first time or maybe the 10th time, who knows. Who clearly, for whatever reason, really shouldn't have been on that stage. They weren't prepped. They weren't prepared. I mean, they weren't ready. But everybody in that room had been that person. So they were so supportive. I mean, just unbelievably yeah. supportive. It was literally just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I know that sounds crazy, but if you go to a if you go to a meet like that, you'll experience the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's pretty. I've been involved in sports that are very competitive. It's secrets, and you're you're trying to work against people and playing mind games and all this. But uh, in you know, the, the top level of uh, in powerlifting, it was different. Like one of the first when I would set a world, when I'd set a big record, I have a great meet. The first person that text me was another individual that I we went back and forth with chasing the all time world record. Yeah. Uh, and he'd be the first person to reach out. Now I fucking wanted to crush his numbers. Right. He wanted to crush my number. Like, right. but we also wanted to see the best for each other. And so, um, well,
0: cause cause yeah. what's the fun of beating someone who's compromised? Yeah. That's yeah. the other part. It's like, you know, when I was a young gymnast. And, um, and nobody else
1: really knows what it's like no, to be at that level and to be pushing no. the, like nobody fucking gets it
0: no no it's it's impossible it's sort of like uh, you know when you hear mike tyson talk about what it was like being world champion and he's really incredibly honest um and and transparent about that you can't understand that life at all and once you start hearing what it's like you understand him at a level where even if you don't like many of the things he's done it makes sense it's sort of it's in a way that you that's undeniable and um uh and it, it just engenders a level of compassion that i like i mean we here's a weird version of that when someone famous like especially an actor complains about the paparazzi and people go you knew what you were getting into it's like no they didn't and and to find other people it's like how come all <laughs> these right, celebrities, didn't. Yeah, yeah how come all these celebrities hang out with each other because no one else understands and you know, I've, I, it's funny. We're doing a whole bunch of stuff with them, uh, with professional athletes in a couple of leagues. And I don't know anything about those sports. And so when I meet these guys, we have a lot of fun because I don't have any preconception about who they are. I don't know who they are, and they get the vibe instantly that I'm not just like, oh my god, I'm so happy to meet you. It's like, hey, good to meet you, and off we go making fun of each other.
1: <laughs>
0: and so, um, so we have a whole different relationship than the normal fan relationship, mm-hmm. and. It's so much fun for me. I mean, I got to tell you with like, I met some NBA guys recently. And one of the first things I do just to get into the conversation, I show them the video of me doing a standing backflip at 61 years old. And they're like, shit. Okay. I get it. We can talk now. And they explain to me what it's like being a professional basketball player. I have no idea, but they know that I can relate to that idea because I've been, you know, in a similar level way back when. Um, So it's super, super fun. But, but yeah, that whole thing, it's like, um, It's really funny. We live in a neighborhood with people that we we adore. They're wonderful people, but these are people who had like high paying corporate jobs their whole life. And Lane and I have been entrepreneurs our whole life, so we like them very much. We just have nothing in common with them. And finding that thing in common at that high level is such a treat. It's so it's so rare at every level. The rare rare that you're there. Rare there's somebody else there. You know, it's it's just. Uh, yeah, I am just getting, I just get choked up thinking about getting that, imagining you getting that text because <laughs> it's a beautiful
1: thing. All right. Probably All right. a good point to wrap it up. I'm going to send you a link for my audio
0: book as well as the EDU Plus so that you can drop those in the show notes. Okay, well, and, listen, uh, here, let me back it up, do this. First things first, for people who want to find out what you're up to, because we didn't even talk about any of that, what you're up to and how to find you, give them that info. And then I'll talk about what we're going to put in the show notes that you're providing. As awesome. A, get,
1: Super easy. I'm very easy to find. You don't need to remember any fucking screen name avatar shit like that. My name's Chris Duffin. It's like muffin, but with a D instead of an M Chris Duffin. My website is Chris or you can type Chris Duffin into any of the social media platforms. I'll pop up. There's, well, I guess a lot of people have those little blue checky things now that you can buy them, uh, <laughs> But uh, Instagram and LinkedIn will probably be the two areas that I'm most active uh, on uh, LinkedIn because I deal with a lot of professional sports coaches and stuff like that. Um, and then there's links on ChrisDuffin.com to Kabuki Strength, like the best in biomechanically sound equipment, uh, Barefoot, um, but E-E-A-R. I love Zero um, Bear, like being chased around a little bear in the woods. And then a Build Fast uh, Supplements. Uh, so build fast formula. And so again, link to all that on Chris Duffin or on social media, there's a little thing there. If you click on the bio and all of it, they're all there, there too. Or the little Google thing, Chris (laughs) Duffin, it'll all fucking pop up. Don't overcomplicate it.
0: Yeah. And for the freebies uh, that Chris talked about, which again, thank you so much. We'll put those in the show notes. So uh, take a look there. I do hope you check out what Chris is doing because the, the, the vast array of things are all quite wonderful. And, um, and then let us both know what you experience. And until then, first of all, thank you all for being here. Uh, as you can tell, Chris and I can keep doing this for hours longer, but at some point we have to pay attention to your needs. And so um, uh, don't forget though, feel free to go over to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. Find previous episodes, all the ways you can engage with us on social media, various places to get the podcast. If you don't like the one you're getting it from now. And if you have any requests or suggestions, people that you Think should be on the show, especially if you can track someone down who thinks I've got my head firmly up my butt and wants to talk about that. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Then drop me a note and you can send me an email at move, M-O-V-E at com. And beyond that, go out, have fun, live life feet first.